I do feel that it's getting a little bit commoditized, but... But what, Anna? Please tell us. Oh, don't worry, everybody. She does. Welcome to episode 75, part two of the Quickie Podcast. This is the second part to my interview with Anna Belusova, the owner of By All Means Studio out of Prague. Last episode, we talked a bit about the agency startup and how she got into design, her career path. Um, during this episode, we get into the commoditization of design, emotion in design, and she tells a crazy story about the project that she's most proud of, a really detailed story on what the client approached her with, how they put design thinking to it, and gave the client back something even better than they could have ever imagined and what that turned into. So let's get right to it. Part two of my interview with Anna Belusova. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? That's interesting you say that, and do you feel that maybe that is a struggle for all designers and creatives because of um, maybe the commoditization of design in this world of 99 designs in this world of design pickle, you know, these things where design is just thought of as something you need to get done, not a critical part of branding and business and a community. I do feel that it's getting a little bit commoditized, but um, I also feel that clients sort of, if the client is really small and starting out, mm -hmm. they don't see um, that much value that design brings. So mm -hmm. for them, it is a commodity. For them, it's just uh, whatever. We just need to put some color and it should be consistent among all of our social media channels. Mm -hmm. So they just hire some students who does it for them and they're pretty fine with it. So when they um, ask an established designer or a firm to do a branding for them and they get these gigantic sums of money, they think that for what? I just need it somehow put together. I don't need all of the strategy and all of this. They don't see mm -hmm. um, value in it. But I feel that um, that's just at the beginning. So like, I don't know, five years down the road, the same client would understand how much impact visual um, present representation of their brand actually brings, mm -hmm. brings to their business. Yeah. And I think that later on, the same client can come back to this very agency and be like, guys, actually, you know, back then you did a really great job. So I need it now. Mm-hmm. So how, I'm going a little bit off script here because I really like what we're talking about. Um, how, do we, how do we educate the importance um, of design, even to those startups? How do we, you know, 
how do we educate them earlier on in the process so that they understand the importance of it right up front, not five years in once they've gone, oh, yeah, we definitely need to appear better to everybody. Um, how do we educate them earlier on? Um, interesting. I had this one client. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't even want that much redesigning. They had somehow put together a logo. I don't know who even did it for them. Um, it looked quite bad. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like they were our friends and we kind of told them that like, oh, you see, so now we have this agency and we could redesign it for you if you want. Um, and they were like, mm, well, we don't know if we need it right now. So this is not what we're looking for at this particular moment. We need to push our business, you know, stuff like this. So this is not really a first level priority at the moment, but we're curious to see what you can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we agreed that we would do kind of like a pitch presentation to them. And if they like what they see, then we would continue. And that was, I think, um, so far the most uh, influencing presentation from my career towards the client because I think that that particular presentation absolutely flipped their mindset mm-hmm. and I'm super proud of it um, they didn't even kind of like pay attention to design in general in other businesses as well they are in finance so in their world everyone is wearing this blue suit everyone <laughs> has yep. some, like boring folders you know um and we offered them absolutely different approach. Um, we offered them to create a club. So instead of uh, calling themselves financial advisors or consultancy, we offered them to create a club and build community around themselves mm-hmm. and make it more like, um, think Harvard Business School um, club mm-hmm. that not everyone can get in. Uh, it's really an an honor to be invited but then once you're in you get not only crazy parties you get this gigantic community of professionals and great connections so usually everyone uh, who hangs out in this sort of uh, community they get this kickstart onto their career Mm -hmm. so that was the idea behind um, rebrand so created create this club uh, which would have their um, emblem, you know, like really classy sort of like a gentleman's club vibe. And they would have um, club jackets and stuff like <laughs> this. So like really mm, things that make you feel that uh, the brand is real. Yes. And the moment we showed it to them. Um, yeah, actually, uh, I'm getting a little bit forward. The very first presentation, I told them, we are not going to be showing you today any sort of pictures we're going to be talking about positioning we're going to be talking about how you feel about your brands mm-hmm. we will give you a little bit of storytelling how we see it and if you resonate with it we will put some visual representation to it so i started the um the pitch with the brand is not a logo the brand is what the logo represents mm-hmm. And what we want to build. So, and in general, I try to put emotion and this emotional value into the core of our work. And that, like, it doesn't matter what we do. Um, it can be even just the coding project. Because we have a coding department and then design department. Mm-hmm. Um, 
sometimes they merge. Sometimes we do some work together. So it's design and coding. Sometimes it's just coding. But it doesn't matter. Whatever we do, I feel like it's a creative process. Mm -hmm. And um, all human creations have to be emotional because humans are emotionally driven uh, creatures. Mm -hmm. So if it doesn't bring you um, pleasure from operating it, whatever it is, yeah? So like you have uh, a piece of technology. It has to be nice to touch. It has to work smooth. It has to be perfect. So those are all technological um, aspects, mm -hmm. but at the same time, it does bring you this emotional value. So the same I feel in branding. So you create a story. You create this uh, notion that people build in their heads when they hear the name of your brand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When did we, st where did we start? I'm just thinking like, <laughs> I went so far away. What no, was that was question? so well said. That's why I wanted to let you run with that because you were really, um, we, we started talking about the commoditization of design and you went down. Um, so the question was how to educate clients and educate the business community on the importance of design yeah. as early as possible in their startup business stage. Yeah. So that's why, thank you. Thank you for reminding me. So that's why um, I brought up this, this particular client because in the, at the beginning of the project, they didn't even think that design was something that they need. Mm -hmm. Design uh, for them was really unimportant, something that you do just because your business is all right and you just need a better look. Mm -hmm. But we started the pitch with this emotional value. We brought them this perspective on their business that they couldn't go back from. It totally flipped their minds. So we told them that you need to build this trust in people. So if, um, uh, for instance, if you have just like normal financial consultancy, not a lot of people actually go and get those types of services. Because if you're an, a grown up person, you know, like grown up man, because it's mainly um, targeted to men, mm -hmm. um, a lot of men have um, problems admitting that they cannot operate their finances. Mm -hmm. So that's like going to a psychologist, you know, like you you need to admit that you have a problem and that you would let other people help you. Yes. And that's really hard for some people. So we offered them to build this club so people would um, not feel like their customers would feel like they're not going for, uh, for this session where they would go through all their finances and be like, mm -hmm. you cannot operate this. You don't know how to spend. You don't know how to save, you know, mm -hmm. kind of this situation. So it's like, um, Totally flip the experience. So you don't go for um, for analysis. You go to hang out with cool people and learn from them. It's like rebranding you know? psychology or going to a counselor. And instead of it be like, yeah, go see my psychologist or my psychiatrist or whatever. And saying, yeah, I get to go hang out on a yacht and drink champagne. Exactly. Exactly like that. And so you just change the what perception of it. do you want to do that instead? Yeah. Exactly. Where are you going? Well, I've got an appointment to go drink some champagne on a boat. So. Yeah, we told them you should start serving whiskey. Like the moment you signed a contract with a new customer, you have to serve them first class whiskey. Yeah, come and join so me in the back. cigar and whiskey lounge. 
Yes. Super and that cool. would be like financial service. Isn't it awesome? Yeah, that's great. And we started teaching it to our friends, like um, the whole idea. And they were like, oh, my God, if there was a place like that, I would totally go. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter if I can or cannot operate my finances. I would just go for the party and like to meet the people and this like additional value that you're bringing. So yeah. kind of like this community part of the business will bring most of the business to you, not yeah. the business itself. You don't need to say that like, oh, yeah, we're great um at financing we're great at knowing where to take the best loans and stuff mm -hmm. like this you don't need to say it it's it's your uh image that people create yeah. by looking at your activity by looking at your brand uh, by knowing what you do mm -hmm. that's what brings the business not you saying believe me i can do it It's like there are so many businesses right now that do this. And this is not something that would make you stand out anymore. No, that's so great. I'm glad you said that. And I'm glad you really touched on the importance of emotional value and really bringing that into it because there's that fear and that stigma about, you know, men's men dealing with their finances. And rather than dealing with your finances, you're just going to hang out in this financial club. So that's great. I'm glad you touched on that. Um, I want to now turn around and ask a, about a project that you've been a part of that you were the most proud of. Okay. I think it would be um, Star Promen Stories project. I did this project last year when I was still in uh, working in an agency called Cocoon mm -hmm. um, back in Prague. And um, I did most of the part because it was illustrative. It's six illustrated cans. Mm -hmm. um, each one of them tells a story about the brand. Interesting stories, like, for instance, um, back in the times of Nazis, Nazis came to Czech Republic and they wanted um, like to protect them, themselves. Czechs, um, they were collecting all of the metal parts mm -hmm. to create more weapons. Oh, okay. And Sarah Pramen brand, um, Sarah Pramen brewery, not brand at that point, Uh, brewery they um built a wall kind of like they walled their um their copper kettles mm -hmm. within the building so um the government would not ask them to melt them to make weapons because mm -hmm. they're so proud of their copper uh kettles they would create great beer uh, so they went around and protected it like that So that's interesting. So that's one of the stories that um, that is shown in an illustrative way. And we created that. That project was super great in um, in the terms that client was open to everything. We pitched idea, and he was like, "I'm absolutely in love. You guys do whatever you want to do." So we got to create six illustrated cans, and then we were like, "Okay, so let's do six posters." And the client was like, yes, let's do six posters. <laughs> Initially, we were supposed to create just one, like a key visual, but we we're like, no, let's create six. And the client was like, yes, let's create six. And then wouldn't it be awesome if we also did um, six animated videos for TV <laughs> and, and the client was like, yes, let's do that. So we got to do everything we wanted. We were like kids in the playground. Yes, let's make six of everything. And the client was happy together with us. And that project got um, an award in um, 
uh, Art Directors Club, Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. We got an award for illustration. Wow. So I'm particularly proud of that. Um, and then also I submitted this work for World Illustration Award. I did not get the award, but I got to be selected as one as one of 200 best illustrators of the world. Wow, that's awesome, Anna. Thank okay. you. Yeah, that's a great story. One definitely you need to be proud of. Um, I want to move to ask what is one design product, tool, website, or community that you just can't live without? Oh, Behance, Instagram. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, is that where you you share a lot of work on those, and you you find a lot of customers on those? You get a lot of noto- um, notoriety on those. Um, more like inspiration, I would say. Not many customers I get from the internet now. More and more mm-hmm. as we get um, reposted and shortlisted, and you know, mm-hmm. from it somehow on the internet. But before, not really. So it's more like for inspirational purposes, I would say. Mm-hmm. Got it. And like showcasing of portfolio purposes. So like you put it on Behance and then once someone is asking you like, oh, can you show your work? You just show your Behance. <laughs> Perfect. Um, Anna, now is the time of the show for the Ask It Forward question. So I have a question for you from my last guest, and then you will have an opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask them anything. So my last, my last guest was a gentleman named Jason Craig. He's an independent uh, designer and illustrator out of Augusta, Georgia. And he wanted to ask you, in detail, describe the worst cup of coffee you have ever had. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so while you're you thinking, of, yeah, in detail... Just so I like um, put it in my brain and process it. <laughs> yeah. In detail, describe the worst cup of coffee you have ever had. So when he told me this question, I thought of the movie Elf with Will Ferrell, the Christmas movie, where he first gets to Manhattan, and this one little coffee shop somewhere in Manhattan has a sign up that says "Best Cup of Coffee" or "World's Best Coffee," and he whips open the door and he goes congratulations you did it world's best cup of coffee and then these people all look at him from inside the cafe and they're like what is this guy doing (laughs) and it's just a really funny moment um so that's what i thought of when he asked this question um but anna what is your worst cup of coffee okay i think it would be actually a cocktail uh which contains coffee coffee you know this cocktail espresso martini yeah espresso martini I've never had one, but I'm familiar. I know what it is, yeah. Oh, my God. You have to try one. Like, right after this interview, you have to go and get an espresso martini. I dare you. But you're just telling me it's the worst. (laughs) No, it's a great cocktail, but they made it bad (laughs) once. Like, I went to this this bar, and I got one espresso martini, which was great, amazing, perfect. And then I got another one. And it felt like they made it with like dirty water or I don't know. It was just wrong color, uh, some fog in it. I don't know. It was just like really weird. And I remember like I'm not the person who complains usually. So I was like, mm, okay, so whatever. I will drink it. Yeah, it's not really, <laughs> it's not tasting great. But, but I had this friend with me and she usually um, likes to get service in the proper way. Mm-hmm. So she was like, 
Oh, hell no. We're, <laughs> we're changing it. I was like, no, no, don't go. That's fine. That's fine. And she was like, no, we're changing it. So she takes my glass and she goes over to the bar and she starts screaming like, do you think this is a great cocktail? Do you think this is nice? Taste it. Taste it. Does it taste nice <laughs> to you? Does it taste like a proper espresso martini? Come on. And I was standing there like two meters next to her, like uh, away from her. Uh, kind of like covering my eyes and thinking like, oh my God, I could have like drunk in it and that's it. <laughs> and that would be it. But you know what? They actually remade the cocktail for me from scratch. Again, it was great, amazing. So I don't have bad feelings and I'm kind of grateful for the friends <laughs> to do that. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Perfect. All right. I like the little So it's kind of like the worst and, uh, worst and best cocktail at the, at the same time. All in the same. Oh my gosh. All right. <laughs> Um, Anna, what is the question that you would like to ask of my next guest? Yeah, um, my question would be, would you like to have a creative retirement? And if yes, then what would be your creative retirement plan? Hmm. If no, then why? Got it. I love it. Do you want to know my answer to it? Yeah, throw it down. Um, yeah, so I decided that when I'm retiring, I want to be somewhere by the ocean and I want to open a small print shop where I would do a letterpress. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, so I'm starting to collect money to buy the letterpress machine already now because I think that they're super expensive already at this moment. So I don't know, 50 years down the road, it's probably going to be just enormous money and no one's going to be doing it. <laughs> Perfect. But that's exactly why I want to do it. I want this medium not to die because I love printing. I love it. You should know as the, as the, as the person who yes. works in print. I love, right? I love printing. I love print. I love books. I love posters. Just anything printed and tangible. I love it. Um, yeah, me too. So would you like to have a creative retirement? And yes. Yeah, if yes, what are you doing? What is it? Tell us about it. And if no... Why not? Yeah, exactly. Because, uh, like, I was thinking, um, some people think that, like, okay, so I'm going to work for, I don't know, 50 years or whatever, and then I'm just going to do nothing. I will not touch the paints. I will not touch Photoshop. I will just be doing a whole lot of nothing, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm really interested if that would be a person who says, like, who says this and who takes that side. Um, why? Because I feel that creatives are so much into it. It's so much our nature mm -hmm. that li like to live without creating anything is just a disaster. Yeah, definitely. Like, it would be so boring. <laughs> I hear you there. Anna, you made it to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Oh, God. I hope it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did great. All right. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to today's episode. I really appreciate your time. Everybody's busy. Everybody has stuff going on. And just the thought that you take a little bit out of your day to listen to the value that these guests are bringing and hearing their story, it just makes me smile. Thank you again so much, and we'll see you tomorrow.